welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Knock on podcast number, I don't even know. I don't know. I just know that I needed to do one because my last podcast was a swap cast. So technically it was a cleared hot podcast, but we flipped a coin on who got to actually post the podcast first and I lost. Once again, lost Andy. That's how it goes. Uh, But this is podcast 248 so that's pretty cool uh well 247 would have been better because that's me right now 24 7 that's me in the hunting lifestyle at this moment non-stop and i thought it'd be a cool podcast just to sit down and go over kind of in a i don't know kind of in a rough overall look at where I'm at right now with what I'm going to be hunting, my strategies on that thing, the gear that I've used, the gear that I've taken, Uh, maybe recap you guys through some previous few weeks, what all happened there, and what's going to be coming down the road and kind of what my why my decisions were what they were in places where I went what gear choices I took all that sort of thing so I don't have an outline don't have an itinerary for this podcast which I never do that's why it might be why you like them because they're real so um all right to kind of backtrack I started out the this hunting season uh A few weeks ago in Utah, I have a, um, I had a mule deer tag as well as an elk tag in Utah and I went there with Sharon and a good buddy of mine, uh, Wes, also drew a mule tag, mule deer tag. Um, And then I've got some elk tags with some friends or an elk tag for friends later, but I, I could also use it early. Um, I've never shot a bull in full velvet, so I really wanted to focus on trying to get one that's in full velvet, especially while uh, just the way the season dates are falling, it was opening early enough to where there were some elk still in full velvet. The first few days, there was a lot, but by the really by the third and fourth day, it was getting harder and harder to find a bull in full velvet. Um, but my plan during that time was to do my best to see if I could find any muleys right at first light and find any muleys that we could essentially bed down. And if where they bedded down was in a spot that would allow a favorable stalk. And by that, what I'm talking about is um, for mule deer, what I found is, and really it's not what I found. It's a basic concept that mule deer move a lot in the morning going to bed. And a lot of times their movements are erratic and their movements um, make it hard in a lot of those Western conditions for you to be able to flank 
and intercept without them getting visual on you because it's it's normally pretty hard to be able to keep eyes on them but still utilize cover to move um so if you can just keep eyes on them until you can bed them down if they bed down then obviously you can wait until later in the morning which was really better um I found in Utah by about noon, the wind would really pick up to where it would mask a lot of that sound. And then you're able to, to make that stock. However, if they were obviously going to an area that wasn't favorable, then I immediately transitioned. Uh, if, if the bedded area wasn't favorable, I didn't want to bump them. Um, I'm once again, for the most part, I am a low pressure person so I really feel like bumping stuff out is not good one of the things I can tell you from the last several weeks um, that stands out in my mind because during those uh, hunts these several last few weeks I have had uh, beginners or kind of newbies out there in some form or another whether it was um, you know someone that was uh, running camera with me or someone that was just there um, with someone else or if it was someone in camp or a new hunter that I might have saw in camp but one of the things I'll tell you if you're a bow hunter you have to treat every moment when 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 you leave camp you have to treat that moment as if you are hunting and that your moment of opportunity is going to happen within the next minute. Like you have to be in that mindset. Um, and what I mean by that is one of the guys I saw at camp last, last week, um, saw him leaving camp. Bo was in the backseat. Bo had the release around the limb in the backseat. And they're literally taken off at first light and heading out and honestly the tag that he had was good for the unit the camp was in so you could easily have turned a corner you know right down the road uh which funny enough um someone that was at camp at red willow actually shot a bear spot and stock um right on the property of the camp um went out in the middle of the day for a walk ended up walking around um, not with the intention kind of went out for a walk with their wife not with the intention of going out to to necessarily hunt but took the bow and ended up coming across a, a black bear that was out there and was able to get a shot so you never know when you're up in Canada or when you're out west you know and you're you're driving to a hunting location you never know when that opportunity might happen especially if you're driving through property that you have permission to hunt or if you're on public land um, there's just no telling when something could happen I remember uh, actually I know it was um, it was I think that it, it might have been on 9-11 um, I had shot a bull that morning, uh, got back to the vehicle, heard the news of what was going on, kind of was in a mad scramble to, uh, to get out of there. I had a mule deer tag, a bear tag, and an elk tag, I believe, that I had bought. Um, but got the elk out of there, went back, was in the process of trying to get to an airport 
to be able to rent a car so that I could have a rental car to get back home because the airports were shut. And as I was leaving this um, house of a friend I was staying, as I was leaving, I was driving through the National Forest ground and a dang mule deer crossed the road in front of me, went up this little rise and kind of crowned right over the top of it. I had a mule deer tag. My bow was right there in the front seat, literally pulled over, put the put the car in park on this logging road, got out, ran up the top of this hill, came over the top of the hill into some timber, and there's the buck, not even expecting... Um, you know, a pursuit and I was able to, to get this buck and literally shoot it and drag it back down this, this hill and kind of throw it in the back of the vehicle along with the elk. And it was just because I was ready right then. And so many times up in BC on spot and stock bear hunts, you're cruising these logging roads and stuff. And all of a sudden you just look and the wind's just right and everything's just right. And there's just an animal right there. Um, the people that I've seen miss opportunities on moose hunts or even whitetail hunts, people that go to the stand without being prepared. Um, you know, if you're on your way to your stand, like be as quiet as you can going, have your release ready, have your bow in a position to where you can knock an arrow and be able to shoot. Um, all this is, you know, critical stuff. There's so many times where I treat going to a stand just like essentially just like still hunting I'm trying to to walk on the quietest spot I'm trying to approach it with the wind that's favorable to me I'm trying to you know almost sneak into this stand as if there's something already there and I'm able to make my shot before it happens and the same is true when you're, you know, we went and sat some water holes uh, during those early season elk hunts. And, you know, it was a 30-minute walk or so into some of these spots. But I remember one time specifically, um, we kind of said, well, the water, you know, we're going to have to probably go three-quarters of a mile or a mile down in there to get to the water hole. And so we pulled up and we're on this, you know, narrow lane kind of a rancher's road through the through the timber and we're kind of getting out to now go on this walk and try to follow this hidden wallow or water hole that we know of and get out and you know camera guy slams the door and kind of just starts talking and stuff and I I looked at him and he's like well we got like a mile to go right and, and I just said hey man there could be an elk like a hundred yards from the truck right now and if there if there were it's it's gone you know so i feel like anyone out there who's listening especially if you're new to archery if you can apply that rule learn to walk quieter than what you walk now even if it's by one decibel make it a goal to just say i want to learn to be soft on my feet i want to learn to walk quieter I want to always be prepared, and I can tell you that if you can do that, you're going to definitely have a way better chance of having an opportunity um, if you can. You know, I think, I think if you 
really get in that habit of being essentially a still hunter all the time, you're going to surprise things with your presence there. You know, if you walk louder, things will hear you from further away. They're going to be gone before you even see them. Um, You know, I think if you've ever been in a spot where you've been already sitting somewhere, you're quiet, you're stagnant, you're in, you know, you're in this area where you're kind of in complete dead space and you're just sitting there waiting, but you might have a, a friend or another person in your party coming to meet you. And then all of a sudden you start to realize there's game just piling out of that canyon or whatever. And you're sitting there thinking like, what the heck? And then 30 minutes later, here comes your buddy walking up and you realize, oh, okay, with as loud as he's walking, um, that's probably why everything blew out um but i feel like so many people don't realize how um how loud they they walk as well um i've got a number of people that are much lighter than me but at least to me and on camera sound twice as heavy with how they walk um Two of the things that you can do to make that better is when you're in slightly taller grass or scrub, learning to pick your feet up over that that and then setting it down and setting it down like on the edge of your heel or on the edge of your foot um, and kind of walking almost like your feet are knives and, you know, walking on the blades of your feet, but picking your feet up and then setting it back down soft, um, is way quieter than dragging your feet. If you don't pick your feet up and you're dragging your feet through grass, it's like, um, the next thing is, learning to not walk with your feet so close together that you're scuffing the your pants on the inside of your boots and making your pants actually swish or your knees or your crotch area um all that stuff will really help you if you take pride in walking soft all the time and always pretending like you're on a stock so uh, to kind of fast forward through, um, during that that first day, we didn't find a muley that we were comfortable with. Um, so we jumped in the timber, went down into, pretty much just dove down into this big canyon system where we know some bulls um, had been spotted earlier. Ooh, that's the sound of my keel cliff opening up. If you haven't seen the CBD Kill Cliff, you should, because they're awesome, and I'm having one to keep my voice smooth and delicate for the podcast. Uh, but we slipped down into this area, and my guide was actually walking fairly quick with me um, because he knew we were trying to get to that water, and I kept saying, you know, let's slow down a little bit. I'm kind of starting to see some sign. Let's just kind of ease through here. And luckily, we had just started easing, and all of a sudden, I look over, and I go, there's there's an elk. And I could see kind of the butt of an elk 
about 150 yards away and started glassing and it realized it was a whole bachelor herd of bulls and Sharon and I were able to actually still hunt into this bachelor group of bulls and to make a long story short we ended up having bulls come all the way around us had several bulls taking their velvet off but there was one bull that was just a freaking dandy uh right in the middle of the group we had him at 26 yards at one point but he was he was facing us um head down and they're just the way the growth of the vegetation versus his head down like this was definitely not a shot i was comfortable with so we kind of turned and went around this pine tree we repositioned ourselves let him feed parallel to us uh, came by at about 34 yards and 35 then 36 i was certain here's a clearing this is going to be perfect um, before he got into the clearing i slowly pulled my bow back got to full draw and the bull was walking through part of the opening but to for sharon's angle he kind of needed to go um, a little bit further and she was kind of whispering in my ear you know a couple more couple more steps and we'll be good so i just kind of held my pin on him as he was going and uh my buddy that was with me thought that i wasn't shooting because the bull was walking but the reason i wasn't shooting is because i was waiting for sharon to, to kind of give me the green light and so he tried to just stop the bull by making a sound with his mouth and the whole thing ended up blowing up so uh, that was kind of a rookie mistake. Um, and once again, there's been, there's been times where people have asked the question about why I shoot stuff moving. Um, I'm really confident with, um, drawing my bow back, holding my pin on a kill zone and moving slowly with the animal. I'm okay with that. I'm also paying attention to, front leg placement you know like where my pin actually is i'm not holding behind the leg when the leg's back which means i'm actually aiming too far back like i know i'm in the moment enough to know that i kind of need to know where the leg is going when it's forward to know where i'm holding and hold on that get on the trigger and you know literally preload that trigger and be pulling at the same time you know i'm i'm already starting my pull as i'm applying my thumb to my normal uh preload position so when people ask you know how are you taking walking shots or shots where things are moving and your windows are really tight i'll actually start my pull and be committed into pulling as i'm putting my thumb onto the release in the normal spot where i would put it around that barrel and what's happening is it's just accelerating that execution time you know normally i'll kind of dilly dally and set my finger around the trigger where i feel like it's real comfortable and then i'll start my pull um, especially when I'm trying to shoot better groups and I'm really trying to be super, super stable. I'll get my thumb position first and then it's slow and smooth on the pull versus when I'm holding on an animal and all three or four pins are on the kill zone, I'm totally comfortable with those pins moving around in that kill zone and just committing to that shot, elbows driving back and I'm starting to bring my thumb to that trigger and 
it's it's ready to go and it's going i feel like an animal that's not alert is less likely to react to the string versus stopping them with the noise like meh and then they stop and they're looking right at you so the animal's first instinct is locate the sound of that potential danger and so they're like locked onto you then all of a sudden the bow goes off now it's evacuate that immediate danger so I try to eliminate one of those because normally the first thing they try to do is locate that sound so if they're moving and you shoot they're normally like trying to look to locate the sound and by then it's too late now there is limitations to how far I'm willing to do that you know if it was like this bull walking um probably you know it wouldn't have been something I was comfortable with at 36 yards but I did see where they were going a lot of them stopped and started feeding on the brows and I was pretty confident he was going to do that but honestly to that point I had already repositioned two different times to kind of be ready for the right shot opportunity the wind was favorable for us so I didn't really feel like I was in that big of a rush but you know I think just he might have got caught up a little bit in the moment was trying to help and in a lot of situations especially if they're coming to a call and they're trying to find you he probably would have stopped and looked around a little longer but here's a bunch of bulls just sitting there thinking that no one in the world even knows they're there and then someone goes meow or whatever he did that might have been more like a cat but um so that's kind of what happened on that that first day it was honestly the opportunity that i went all the way out there for uh but it didn't work out and then from there we covered a lot of ground in the middle of the day i'm not a big proponent of being at camp right now uh if i'm going to give you another tip it's try to be out there midday um, the amount of mule deer that i've shot in the middle of the day this time of year is f far far outweighs the number of deer i've shot in the first few hours a day or the last few hours a day when it comes to mule deer there's so many times that i've not even thought there was a deer in the area but i'm still out patrolling and i've got glass up and i'm just sitting there just looking and looking and looking and in the heat of the day the most boring time of the day all of a sudden a deer just stands up to reposition in the sun and there's the opportunity that you're looking for you know all of a sudden you're like wow okay there's a buck right there and you see him stretch out and lick around for a little minute and kind of flick his nose with his back foot and then all of a sudden he curls back up and rebeds down where he's in the shade again and but that's the opportunity that you that you've needed um once again there's camp after camp after camp i go to as many times as i say this you know people for some reason feel like they have to get back to camp in the middle of the day and i'm just not that person and i feel like success um many times is because i'm i'm not there you know do yourself a favor the night before if you're awake you're struggling to sleep a little bit or whatever just get up make yourself a couple peanut butter and jelly sandwiches throw some 
throw some snacks in a bag. Um, for me, I'm, I really like the, uh, off the grid food company stuff. I love their stuff for this time of year. Um, you know, throw in a few packs of that in your backpack for the next day. And, you know, I travel a lot of times, uh, depending on what I'm doing, I'll take either the instant, uh, sachets from black rifle, or I take a jet boil with, you know, I really like the bison chili uh, if I'm going to actually have a lunch. Um, otherwise their kind of trail mixes and stuff are awesome for, uh, off the, off the grid. But, uh, I really try to focus on staying out. It makes a huge difference in success. It really, really does. And this time of year, you just have to be lucky enough to see something. And the name of the game right now across the board is visualize or get eyes on it and intercept. You know, it's that's a hundred percent what it is. Get eyes on it and intercept. Try to either, you know, depending on the type of terrain you're in, which for example, like up in Alberta where I was, if the mule deer are heading towards a river system, like a river bottom or down into the deep creeks, you have to try to intercept that buck. Because once he gets in there, you don't know where they're gonna bed. You're probably not going to find them if you go in there to look for them you're just going to have to get close to that area wait for them to come out at night so trying to intercept whether it's getting them on the way into those creeks or getting them on the way back out in the evening otherwise if you're lucky enough seeing where they bed down in a grain field and then you know making your stock um, <coughs> when it comes to elk this time of year uh, earlier did no calling at all. Uh, two weeks ago, none. This past week up in Alberta, I was, you know, again, I'm much higher in Alberta, um, kind of logistically than when I was down in Utah. So the higher up you go, you know, a lot of times that rut will start sooner, just like with whitetails. Our rut in the Midwest will be in November and then by the time you get down to Mississippi, you know, it's more like Christmas time for, for the peak rut, you know. So they started to respond a little bit to calls. They had their velvet completely off. They were, there was definitely a few cows that were showing signs of maybe coming in, uh, you know, one or two cows maybe starting to, to think about estrus because the bulls were really just bird dogging certain cows um, there was more communication. I could hear cows talking. Um, but right away I kind of figured out, I made a few call cow calls, um, during one of my hunts. They did not respond to the cow call. I tried twice. Um, and this video is actually up on the knock on archery YouTube channel or on the IGTV, uh, account for knock on TV. But, uh, it was this bull we had seen we had seen this bull a few times um well it wasn't this bull but we had seen some groups way out in this 
uh, pea field that was not a field we could hunt and it was several miles from cover but we knew every morning those elk as soon as it was hitting daylight they were beating feet to get back into the crown land or the public land they were just going different ways all the time so we found um we found a kind of an ambush point which again boils down to interception you know we're trying to intercept their path uh, we knew that for the most part they wanted to travel with the with their nose into the wind which that's pretty common with elk um, but the wind was kind of just on a, enough angle to where we were still able to stay tight to the trees and keep the wind kind of in our favor and we actually had to let the elk go past us a little bit um, in the field that they were traveling so that the wind was totally right and then I was going to call. So I tried cow calling a few times. They kind of just kept running, uh, didn't stop. I think one or two cows might have stopped and looked, but they didn't really come. But the bull was just kind of running them, trying to corral them to get them to go where he wanted them to go. And then I laid out one bugle, he stopped looked back and like started to look like he wanted to come and then I chuckled at him and once I chuckled at him he started to come and then I bugled one more time and then at one point he was like galloping towards us but the bugle definitely was the name of the game there same is true with my buddy Brock's bull and same is true with with Andy's bull the bugle was what brought them in um, later on here in a few weeks, a cow call is definitely going to be a little bit more favorable. Um, if there's ever an elk talking, for example, the first morning that I went out this year in Alberta, there was a bull that was actually bugling himself as he was heading way back to bed. So <coughs> I tried to stay as quiet as possible but cover as much ground to him as I could while he was talking and not try to call him to us anytime you anytime there's a bull communicating try to just intercept that bull while it's talking without knowing that you're that you're there and then if you can if you can close that gap and close that ground um, you don't have to worry about calling to him and him coming but freezing up and not coming all the way. And then he kind of starts to get leery because he doesn't see anything. Um, and then on top of that, uh, me and Andy both, both of our bulls, we actually used the new, uh, that new elk decoy that I had found um, about two or three weeks ago. I saw it. I fell in love with it and ended up getting a bunch to put on the knock-on store. Um, I re I'm a big believer in them. I've actually given one to like four of my good buddies. I'll show, I've showed them and they're like, holy cow, that's, you know, way cooler than what I thought it was. And I'm like, here, take it. Cause I know you're going to use it. And, uh, it worked on, on my bull. I popped that thing up as that bull was running across the field. I popped it up and had it like facing their way so that in the where the where the sun was coming up it lit it up and then as i called that bull looked and i swear he just looked right i mean he looked right at it and and just came right to it uh so that was kind of the name of the game for elk for the muleys 
ended up uh, ended up doing two different things to go back to that opener in Utah tried for elk all through the middle of the day and then also in the evening um, because like I said in the evening once mule deer are up and they're moving around um, it's really hard to position yourself in in a spot for a for at least a normal shot length when there's so much little open pockets and open country and what happens is even if you get into one good spot if all of a sudden they change their route a little bit which mule deer are notorious for then you're kind of pinned down in this little spot and then you know god forbid your wind get wrong or something and they they bounce out of there um you don't know where they're going to go you know you might be helping out your neighbors um more than you're helping out yourself so uh <coughs> and sorry i do have i do have a cough that i'm dealing with um which isn't fun but uh on that on the mule deer i shot in utah we spent three days watching this buck go from one big draw up and across a saddle into another big draw he was feeding in one draw um, at night it seemed to me like he was hitting a water source um, a pond that was kind of right there it seems like he was hitting that pond right at first light maybe before we could even see him and then after that he was um I think he was actually uh, just walking across this wide open saddle going over into this this thick area where he was bedding. Well, we had made the decision to be at the top of this saddle at first light, like get there dark and wait for the sun to come up to where we could just find him. And as that came up... Um, he was nowhere to be found down in that area where the pond was or in the saddle and i was just like oh man you know he's on to us this this isn't good and just as i was saying that i looked across um i looked across the the saddle to where it was actually almost like starting to contour up and there was a small thin strip of aspens that connected that front that front ravine to the back ravine um but it was a much higher than what he had been crossing in the past but i think just that little bit of pressure from two days made him decide to start and he was in a group but made him start leading that group up higher in altitude and through the cover versus across that wide open so as soon as he got up there and kind of started to wrap around we just gunned it and just went on a beeline straight to those aspens and was able to kick our shoes off get up through the aspens just enough the sun was coming up at our back and kind of pop out in this little opening pouch of those aspens and was able to see that rack coming across the high ground above me probably I don't know I think it was somewhere around 
I think it was 51 yards, the shot. Um, but I could see his big, big fork on one side and I was ranging that big massive antler as he was walking and I was getting 51, 51. And then I kind of looked where the next open spot was where he would emerge. And I ranged the one bush that was there and it was like 52 yards. And then there was another bush a little bit closer but further down I ranged it it was 51 or it was I think it was 49 or 50 and so I kind of thought well this bush over here that's closer is 49 the bush that's up a little higher is 52 his rack's been saying 51 and all of a sudden he stepped out and he stepped out right in front of that bush that I'd ranged at 52 so I pulled back and put my 50 yard pin literally right in the pocket of his armpit and uh and made my shot and kind of just as I expected he did start to pick his feet up a little bit to you know to react so he was just starting to duck and as he was ducking um it just smacked him and that first buck I shot with a rage tripan uh just to kind of go through equipment um, I did decide I've got half tripans, half no collars in my quiver. Uh, I love tripans. I think that tripans are still an awesome, um, an awesome broad head to have. And I also think that the tripan may be arguably a little bit better on an extreme quartering shot because the tip of the broadhead is a little bit longer than the no collar so that's kind of why I had it um, and I ended up just I kind of had three of each in my quiver I pulled that one out um, shot him just the the force of the arrow he was he had picked his feet up and he was on the verge of dropping down as the arrow kind of came in and it came in right through the top of the shoulder blades uh, went through the front shoulder blade, just lodged in the the thick, heavy part of the shoulder blade on the opposite side, and literally just shell shocked him, just dumped him right in his tracks, uh, full shell shock. So that was that. Uh, fast forward to the uh, elk that I shot, which I posted that video yesterday. Like I said, feel free to check it out. Um, that bull it he did the exact same thing as my mule deer like if you want to see what what my mule deer did when he got hit um just watch that elk video because it's two uh spitting images and i did shoot a tripan for my elk um and he shot a no collar for his and he also shot a no collar for his mule deer i shot a no collar for my second mule deer my mule deer that i shot in alberta um, I did shoot a no collar for that, and um, that ended up being I there's about 10 inch uh, stubble and kind of a scrubby field that he was in. It, there was a lot of volunteer crop in there as well as canola, but this buck actually bedded in what appeared to be a wet spot at one time, so the crop was lower in this bowl, which was maybe I don't know the size of a garage um where it was low so it was really tough i was i was literally sprawled out completely like superman just kind of reaching my fingers forward about four inch it four inches 
laying the canola apart a little bit so it was quieter and then pulling myself forward about you know one row of canola at a time and then got to the point where I got behind the buck's head as he was bedded and his ears were kind of they were out and alert but they were kind of drooping down a little bit and his ears were she were like shielding his eyes so once I could see that his ears were blocking his eyes I came up to my knees got my bow forward and completely ready tension on the string uh, drew back came all the way up and at this point I'm only 26 yards from him and just started counting down my steps getting closer and closer to him and then uh, he ended up kind of seeing a little bit of something kind of started to get up as soon as his front end was coming up um, I put one through him and he went bounding off but was notably hurt and ended up stopping within a few seconds he stopped and you know I'm just a big proponent of making sure uh you know even if you feel like you made a good shot if you have the opportunity to put another shot in there um to take that especially if there's like any uncertainty i seen my arrow hit good you know through the shoulders i was like okay that's you know that's good i'm finding that deer uh, but he kind of went out there and stopped and i could see you know he wasn't like gonna tip over that second I could definitely see enough blood loss happening to where I was confident that was going to be a you know a killing shot. But I ranged him one more time. He was 96, slid my sight to 96, grabbed another no collar for this shot, and made a perfect a perfect quarter and away hard shot at 96. Um, as soon as it hit him, he literally started running and was uh, full wheelbarrow within maybe. 10 yards so um super happy with both broadheads um my arrow that i'm shooting right now is an axis 300 with a four fletch i've got max 23s on because i'm only shooting mechanical heads if i wanted the ability to shoot other mechanical heads that maybe didn't have as good of flight characteristics or if I wanted to shoot, say, a Rage Extreme with a fixed blade on the front, I'd probably shoot more of like a Max 23 or a, a Max Stealth vein. But I am a big proponent of the of the four fletch right now. Uh, I feel like it's super important to have. Uh, I feel like the arrows are quieter for sure, um, and I've been really really happy with it. Um, moving forward. I'm going to be getting ready to uh, focus on antelope and um, some deer out west. Um, I also have a an elk tag in a general area. So I'm going to go out and hunt a general, a general area with an either sex elk tag. So I might, uh, I may even shoot a cow. Um, I'm kind of haven't haven't shot a cow in several years uh just for some really prime meat to put away um so i might do that went through all of our elk between the two tack events um all the elks gone so it might be really kind of fun to get out there um chase antelope chase deer normally what i do is 
kind of bounce back and forth between South Dakota and Montana. In Montana, I can shoot whitetails or mule deer. What I'll do is go out there, try to spend a day scouting, seeing if I can find any whitetails um, in those river bottoms that look like they're kind of in certain patterns or where we can set up on them. For antelope, it's definitely going to be water holes in the hottest part of the day. Um, so I'll probably hunt mornings, maybe for elk, then uh, antelope all during the middle of the day. And then in the evenings, try to focus on uh, a deer coming out in somewhat uh, still in an early season pattern. I'm going to keep my equipment the same. Um, as for gear, I, sh I do have a video of my gear loadout on the Knock on TV uh on the IGTV section. Um, so if you have Instagram, you can go to IGTV or go to knock on and look at the IGTV page. Um, it's the second to the last video or somewhere there's about, it says opening week gear pack list. That pack list will be with me probably for another two to three weeks. Um, but more or less I've got, the core lightweight down for a base um, my hex suit goes right over the top of that um, then i've been utilizing the apex set more than anything uh, for rain gear i have the cloud burst i have um, one uh, i've got one kelvin light hoodie that i've been packing as well and then um, there's also a, I'm trying to think what the name, what the model number is on. There's one jacket that I have that's that's a little bit heavier and windproof, um, but mainly windproof. I think it's the mountain jacket. Uh, I've got that. And that's really all I'm rolling with right now. <coughs> I used uh, two, three different types of footwear. Um, I used... Funny enough, Vans is in the process of coming out with um, an outdoor shoe, a boot, I should say. Uh, I've been prototyping that for them, which is pretty cool. Um, it's a full Gore-Tex van that laces up. Really awesome. I liked them a lot. I used them in Alberta. <coughs> Sorry, people. I'm doing my best to not choke here. <clears throat> and then uh, I used the Colorado model crispies and i also just use a regular pair of tennis shoes from nike that are super soft on the bottom for stocking but that's about it uh for antelope uh, here probably in the next week around september 10th i'll start decoying uh, i do like the decoy that we picked up for that it's the same as the elk one but uh, with an antelope i'll definitely be sitting blinds as well Dang it, going down quick. Um, and for elk, like I said, I'll start to slowly transition into cow calls, probably bugle uh, just as a locator if I'm not hearing anything at all. Definitely understand that those bulls can come in quiet right now. If you are cow calling, they can come in quiet. A lot of times if I'm still hunting and I'm moving and covering a lot of ground, which I'm a big believer in, people ask like, where do I go? I'm not seeing elk. What should I do? You just have to go. You just have to cover ground. Um, 
one of the things we do up in Alberta is we'll literally park a vehicle the night before or in the morning um, and then we'll drive we just do it in 10 mile blocks we'll drive 10 miles go in with the wind in our favor and just start covering river systems and just getting in there in the elk cover and just covering a lot of ground moving as slow as possible moving methodical being really strategic at foot placement and when you get into an area where it looks elky just spending time glassing around really trying to find things move slow if you make a little bit of noise just make a few little calf calls and just kind of keep easing through and i think if you do that you're going to have good success uh, when it comes to the whitetail side of things uh, getting some cameras out right now are definitely going to be a benefit to you. You know, a lot of uh, stuff since still in a little bit in an early season pattern. Beans and corn starting to yellow here for the first time. So those clover patches and anyone who got in um, some brassicas or turnip patches, uh, those will start to be a, a pretty sweet spot get, getting hit here pretty soon. Um, Otherwise, depending on your area, being on water could be awesome. So I think if you put those things to use, you should be able to have some success here in these next weeks. That's what I'm going to be focusing on. And sorry if I'm a little bit behind on videos or tutorials or Insta stories. I do my best, but keep in mind, I love hunting everyone. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm doing this still because I love it and getting out there and trying to trying to fill tags so I try to include you guys as much as I can and try to give <clears throat> give back as much as I can but I'm having fun so knock on everybody be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com